Hey guys, welcome to your Green Soul Goddess Tarot podcast. Uh, this is basically like a continuation part two of the last episode. Um, there was a bit of an extended hiatus between episodes because, hey, life happens and sometimes we have to uh, tend to other obligations before we do podcasts. Although, I absolutely love talking so much, especially about tarot and any type of new age topic, of course, because spirituality has become my life, (laughs) which I am so thankful for. Um, But today I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, tarot cards and, you know, give you some more information. Uh, The next podcast I'm going to put out, Tarot Part 3, will be um, focused more around uh, the numerology, the um, elements, and all of the other, you know, deeper, um, more intricate aspects of tarot, a lot of the energetics and um, the meanings behind cards and such. We are going to be getting real deep, but today we're just kind of, um, you know, going over some uh, important basics pretty much for a new reader because, you know, someone who's been reading for a while you might start to develop your own techniques. And, you know, that to me is one of the most beautiful things about tarot cards or really any um, spiritual practice under the umbrella. Um, It's so customizable because there's technically no right or wrong way to do it. You know, you think you might have a skill or you really want to try it. So you pick up tarot and, you know, you end up making it your own. It's incredible. You know, that's why there's like an infinite amount of decks out there, (laughs) which speaking of decks, um, I guess we're at the point where we have picked our deck or we are working to pick our deck. And I believe I left off in the last episode, um, how to pick your deck, you know, following your intuition and trying to pick something that resonates with you. Um, personally, or something that you find easier to read, because, you know, there are, I say I want to look that up to see, you know, just how many tarot decks exist in this world, because it has to be innumerable. There's something for everyone. You go into, you know, every single bookstore and new age shop, they always have at least 25 decks each, and almost no shop carries, you know, the same deck. So, and that's just a very small fraction of them. When you go on the internet, there's everything under the sun. It's wonderful. Uh, so, yeah, pick a deck that resonates with you where, you know, some are a little more simplistic and some are more intricate. There are definitely decks where the artwork um, is a little bit um, more clearly depicting the meanings and the energetics of the cards over others. It just really you know, depends on, I guess, your personal level of reading. So as a beginner, I would definitely gravitate more towards a deck that, um, you know, might be less fancy and, you know, artistic and a little more practical to where you can learn a lot of the nuances of the cards. Um, my, uh, my first tarot deck was actually the Wild Unknown Tarot by Kim Kranz. And I will say this was probably a little bit more of a complicated um, deck to learn as a beginner because the artwork it's in it's so beautiful it's kind of like watercolor based and they're very 
intricate drawings, but they're very simple, um, which I absolutely love it. But there are definitely times where I will look up the same card on the internet to see a different version of it, you know, just kind of see if there's anything else within um, that card energy that I need to pick up on in that reading. But I love it. It's been my favorite. It remains my favorite. Um, and yeah, so if you want a deck that is not as visually informative, go for it. I will say that if I had personally gone um, with a deck that had kind of more descriptive pictures, might have caught on onto, you know, the energetic concepts and meanings um, a little bit quicker. But hey, you know, this is not you know, a time to race. So you get to your goal, wherever you're going, whenever you want to get there. I chose a little bit of the long way, but then again, I tend to choose the hard way sometimes. <laughs> I'm sure others uh, know that feeling well. Okay, so we're jumping into this after all of our side notes. So now you have picked your deck, okay? Uh, what do you do after you pick your deck? So You've got it. You want to open it up, of course. Look at all your cards. Feel them. Touch them. Start shuffling it. This is uh, where we start our process of bonding with your deck. Um, and, you know, as you're bonding with your deck, you're learning the meanings. And it's this kind of process of integrating yourself into the cards energetically. And, you know, you might not necessarily feel a palpable, you know, energetic transfer between you. But then again, you may. This is all depending on each person and individual. This is a very, very specific practice. So um, even for something like this, you know, you may get a deck that you connect with better than another. Um, kind of all goes with the learning and growing of, uh, you know, cultivating your own practice and your own skills. But the bonding part uh, is important um, for, you know, the deck to kind of learn your energy and to work with you a bit better. Um, a lot of suggestions from people are like, sleep with it, um, take it everywhere you go. And, you know, same, do whatever you're comfortable with. I personally did sleep with my deck for about a week, I believe. I kept it in the bed. And as well as when I would leave the house, I would keep it in my bag with me or in the car. Um, but I did take it around with me, and there are times where I will take it with me during the day um, if I'm going to go somewhere that might be a little more special to me or somewhere that, you know, I feel has a great energy so that way the deck can kind of soak it up um, in a sense or it can kind of be introduced to other types of energies that could help um, with the reading process. I actually took it to a cemetery um, about two weeks ago my favorite deck, the unknown. And I don't know why I just had this feeling of bring your deck. It'll really love the energy there. And so I did. And I will say since then, me and my cards have felt a little bit closer. My one specific deck, I have two other decks that I have not um, used as often. So I don't feel as deeply connected with the cards, which definitely on my to-do list for the recent or for the near future will be um to start exploring my other decks because you know why have decks that you don't use <laughs> i'd love to combine them all into a reading because again you know each deck has something different to it so you might want to use three tarot decks in one reading 
for your information. This is, again, personal practice. But yeah, bonding with your deck. Um, while I'm bonding with my deck, I really love to just look at the cards, touch them, feel them, kind of read the meanings on each card as I go. I do the shuffle. I will pull one or two. It's, you know, whatever you feel like doing is exactly what you should do. And, you know, when it comes to something like this, learning to to read the tarot, that's why, you know, sometimes it can be hard to just pick up a book and read about tarot cards because, you know, their practice is beautiful and perfect for them, but you might not resonate so well with that. So, of course, anything I say, you know, take it at face value or, you know, question it, of course, do your own thing. But this is like the basis of my own understanding. So I'm sure there will be somebody out there that needs to hear it, obviously, which is why it's being made. Um, <laughs> so I, again, want to thank everybody for tuning in um, after a while. But thanks, guys. It is really great to be here with you today. It's actually, so I guess we're taking a little bit of a um, <laughs> break. So the best way to start learning to actually read the cards um, is by pulling about two at a time. Really, um, you should actually start with about one one a day, one card a day, or you can do one multiple times a day. But start with one card, and then once you're feeling comfortable with, you know, the meanings for that one card, try to add a second card. Um, this is definitely one of the best ways to learn um, noticing the connections between the cards and how, like, the meanings of each of them change as they um, relate to another and as you put different um, influential energies into them. Because, you know, obviously three cards together will have a different meaning than just one card. So it's a very good way to start piecing them together um, is to pull two cards. And after I've pulled two cards, I will have my notebook and I write down the cards that I pulled. I will write down the descriptions for each of them separately and then kind of compare between the two, see the connections, see how they would influence each other and sit with that information and try to close my eyes, breathe on it and intuitively feel the connection between them. If there is anything um, happening within those two cards that doesn't seem like is being displayed within, you know, whatever, um, description was provided by, like, the actual book or the internet and such, because, um, intuitive readers definitely will have a little bit, um, more superfluous information than somebody who is just merely, you know, memorizing meanings of a deck. And that's not to say that both are not absolutely beautiful, correct, and wonderful and authentic, because they totally are. There are just um, some people in this world who have a little bit more of a, um, I guess, in to the energetics of the universe. And yeah, can (laughs) speak with it on a little bit of a deeper level. And as you feel comfortable um, with, you know, pulling the two cards, just gradually increase the amount that you pull at a time. Um, I believe in the beginning will really throw out any of your tarot practice that a formal spread 
is unnecessary. Um, I believe that, you know, understanding the deeper meanings behind each card is more important than putting them together in a specific spread. And I find that the way I read the best is just by pulling cards in a row. Um, Like I'll pull six cards, you know, two rows of three. And it to me ends up reading like a sentence, almost like a conversation between me and the universe in I guess a way that is unique to me. And I do know other people who pull cards this way and read in this manner. And so if you feel more compelled to do a spread, totally awesome. If you feel compelled to just pull cards you know, and do what feels intuitively right for you, then go for it, you know, and as a beginner, I believe that adding specific spreads on top of learning the meanings of the cards can sometimes um, pull you out of the meanings a little bit, because you're so focused on the positions of the cards and what have you, but of course, if you feel more comfortable with the spread, then do you. There are definitely some very valuable spreads out there, and you can make up your own. Uh, There are are no rules, as I said. It's like there are rules, but it's, I guess, that um, saying of first you have to know the rules to break them. So you learn whatever rules are presented by the masses, and then you kind of disregard them. (laughs) So I guess at that point, what is the point of rules? a good question I guess you know to keep away the illusion of anarchy and chaos but then again if you look at the world we're already in anarchy and chaos so then again have the rules really been beneficial (laughs) anyways (laughs) so of course this is a practice and you need to do just that and you know I do say this very very seriously because it's like anything else that you're learning basically like a foreign language the more you practice, the more you'll understand it. And that's what you have to do. You have to practice, practice, practice. And it is very important because the more you practice, the more you'll understand, the easier it gets, the more second nature. And that's, you know, what you're hoping for when when it comes to a tarot card practice, um, becoming a fluent reader, able to, you know, understand a lot of the deeper um, nuances of the cards and such comes with just practice, you know. Once you understand the most basic um, energies and face values of the card, you can dive in deeper and then you understand just how much depth of energy is actually involved in each card. And that to me is like something that's mind blowing about it, but also so beautiful. I, you know, strive to be in that place one day of just the ultimate tarot card professional. (laughs) but you know there really are no right or wrong ways exactly so the way you read tarot is absolutely perfect uh because then we get into this um you know imposter syndrome you're a beginner you're like okay how long do I have to wait until I'm actually you know good enough to read for other people or you know make money off of it or whatever you want to do because we as humans have an ego that kind of gives us a lot of obstacles and this is definitely not something that is a uh, um immune to those obstacles immune to human nature <laughs> and exactly the more we practice the more you know confident we'll be the easier we'll be able to deliver a reading 
So just take your time, you know, and but also don't be afraid to get out there and read for the world because, you know, it is definitely so much different reading for somebody else um, than it is reading for yourself. There will be days where I can read for other people and it's the easiest thing in the world, but then I go to do a reading for myself and it's like, I have no idea what these cards mean. It's like you kind of become blind to yourself because you're a little too close to it sometimes, which I will say for all the beginners, Facebook is a very good tool if you're going to be learning. If you're a social media person, Facebook and Instagram, Facebook, I would say especially, is really great for learning and being able to practice your um, tarot cards with people. There are so many um, groups on Facebook that are just like, you know, strictly tarot study practice groups. Um, So there are definitely areas where you can connect with like-minded individuals, connect with people who can help your progress and then make connections to others who may be able to take you in other directions if you meet somebody. Well, a couple of the um, groups that I'm on actually um, have people who will post like marketing um, and business advice and such. So there's always something good to look out for. Now, if you're opposed to social media, you know, totally cool too. Do you. And now there's no set amount of time you have to wait before you're reading for somebody else. You know, you don't have to practice for a set amount of time. You just start doing it whenever you feel comfortable, whenever you feel compelled. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to deliver a reading, you know, completely off book. Um, There's really no test or no... And there really is no right... You might feel scared and nervous at first when it comes to reading for other people. Because, um, you know, you might not. But I I know that I did. I really did. I actually procrastinated reading for other people for probably longer than I should have. Just because I was nervous about other people's reactions. And, you know, imposter syndrome. You work so hard for something and you almost never think you're good enough. Because you're like, okay, there's people out there who are so much better than I am. So I must be an imposter, you know, a poser trying to learn this and, and do this when really you're incredible. Because I will say that I think that I have a very confident attitude towards um, my abilities now. And I do know that every single day I practice, I, you know, increase those abilities and it's stronger. And I feel confident and comfortable with giving readings and, to get to this point where I'm, you know, offering my services to the public and actually doing what I love, to me, this is, that's, you've made it. That's happiness. <laughs> now, of course, I'm sure once, you know, you have a passion that you turn into a monetary career, it would be nice to make, you know, a substantial sum of money. But then again, there goes another portion of uh, our our next tarot podcast we'll talk more about the marketing (laughs) 
kind of like taking a yoga teacher training um, where they have to spend like a certain amount of hours on how to market yourself as a, a teacher and how to actually start, you know, making money in the business of yoga. So we're going to eventually get to the business of tarot. <laughs> All in good time, my friends. <laughs> so you're in this place where you're struggling with imposter syndrome. Maybe, maybe not. Take what resonates. Whatever. You do you. You know you. But I will say the imposter syndrome definitely seems prevalent in the community. In like the whole terror community. For, you know, more than just these reasons, but for two very main reasons. Um, for the fact that, A, there are so many readers in this world. And B, there are so many skeptics in this world. So, of course... When you're reading tarot cards and you're going out to the world, it is really difficult, you know, to put yourself out there on something that might not be as widely understood and face, you know, incredible scrutiny from others. I do um, Instagram readings where, like, I'll just, I'll post, like, daily, weekly readings and such, and I share them to my Facebook page, and my mother will share them and such, too. Uh, she actually had somebody who commented on my um one of my tarot readings and you know said it was uh dark like devil worshiping stuff basically and those are the moments where you're just like okay you have to accept it there are going to be people in this world who will think that you're a you know devil worshiping crazy lunatic and that's okay. They are totally entitled to their opinions. Just make sure that you're not letting it affect you personally. Because if you're on this path, you're on it for a reason. Don't, you know, let the outside voices talk you into, you know, diminishing your own skills and talents and shine just because they don't understand something. Because more people understand than they used to. I can guarantee you, well, I can't guarantee you because technically there are no guarantees in this life. But when you actually hone your confidence and get over this imposter syndrome and actually have the confidence to like stand up in the world and say, yes, I do something that isn't as widely accepted, but I accept myself and I love myself. So I'm going to continue to do this because it is something that is being called for me to do in this world to help the collective and be of service. So if I'm doing this out of, you know, the love of humanity and to help everybody evolve and grow, to have insights into their problems, to see what areas of their life, you know, are being blocked for their progress, then how is that not beautiful and, you know, being done out of the utmost love? To me, I love humanity. I love everyone because we're all connected. We are all one and the same. And I would love to be able to help others, you know, feel confident and really feel anything positive because that's why I do it. Every single time I do a reading on Instagram and I get positive feedback and then people are, you know, happy and so thankful, it makes me feel great and not in like a, oh, thank you cocky way. It doesn't build my ego. To me, it builds this sense of purpose, the sense of I'm doing what I need to be doing in life because this right here, helping people is what makes me feel good and helping people in a healthy manner. Of course, you know, some people can go above and beyond when it comes to helping others in a people pleasing way, 
but that is not that's not this podcast (laughs) so it can be hard to perform your talents when you don't believe in yourself um so you really do project that unworthiness onto others and sometimes you know those others will perceive it like You know, sometimes when you have so much unworthiness um, and these feelings towards yourself, you actually perceive others as a threat and kind of retreat. So you end up being afraid of everyone um, and reading for them because of your own levels of insecurity. So when you just be very mindful of your own internal landscape and your own feelings and do whatever you need to to build your own confidence. Because there is no need to be afraid because everyone starts somewhere. And really, there has to be a moment, you know, you transition from learning to practicing on real humans who aren't yourself. And really, that's only if you ever plan on reading for others. You know, some people will only read for themselves forever. And that's totally cool. But then a lot of people who learn are learning for the purpose of reading for others and such, too. So just know that there's no magical moment where all of a sudden you're kind of just like, Ah, I'm ready. Because I totally thought that there would be. I thought there would be a moment where I would come to this place of, I know enough. I am ready. When really it was just like this slow transition to, you know, free readings for like family and close friends and then strangers on the internet. And then it kind of just snowballed from there. And then all of a sudden I was like, kind of craving reading for others and I do have days where I will want to sit there and just read for other people for like six hours I love it (laughs) but then again I was called to this of service and this is part of my actual you know divine life purpose so that makes a lot of sense that I would have such a passion and love for it (laughs) and I mean that's why I you know do these podcasts of course is to help share my passion and love to others so that I can be of any type of service in any way possible. And so if you have a topic under this umbrella or anything, um, please let me know and we can, you know, discuss it, maybe see if we can get a podcast going um, on that. So yeah, sorry, it was a quick little uh, intermission there. So reading for other people, it can definitely take some uh, prep time. So you're reading for other people now. What do you need to know? Well, have fun. (laughs) Be friendly. Of course, we're going to get into um, a lot more on the reading for others because there are are some things to keep in mind when reading for others in regards to like ethical concerns about how much information to tell them, um, if it's something that's sensitive, if it is... um, and sensitive in regards to if it's super negative, um, if it indicates, you know, a marriage breaking up or any type of really huge kind of, you know, life events that one would call traumatic, be very, very mindful. Like I said, there is a list of kind of like ethical concerns or things to keep in mind when reading for others, you know, to keep it um, a little more, I guess, on the professional side and, um I guess those are really the only rules that you kind of need to 
actually pay attention to when it comes to like pulling cards and doing those types of things. Not so much. You don't need to follow the rules. But when it comes to actually how you relay the information to, you know, who you're reading for, I would definitely follow that rule of being mindful, especially of sensitive information. So that's your first little tidbit into the ethics side of things. Um, But there is a very huge level of vulnerability that comes into a reading um, for both the, you know, reader and um, the readie. I've heard people call them, um, is it? Querents, Querents, whatever, the person you're reading for, <laughs> there is a very vulnerable connection between you two because, um, and of course, it's the person's going to be more vulnerable if they're a lot more open. But as I said, sometimes skeptics want you to read for them, and a skeptic might not be as open um, with you, and so there won't be as much vulnerable energy between you two, which definitely. I think could affect the depth of the reading um, if they are too closed off because the more open and vulnerable you two are together, the more energy can flow, the deeper the message, the the deeper spirit can actually um, take us and we feel things and can receive um, more messages in that regard. And being comfortable with that level of vulnerability can definitely take time and practice And I find that there are, you know, small things that I do that help me open up and come to this place. Um, It's generally just like a short meditation and breath practice, especially some deep breathing. That to me is super important. Obviously, you need to breathe to live because if you weren't breathing, you'd be dead. So it's obviously a little bit important especially because in the spiritual community, it is very, very widely believed that the actual breath is spirit. That, you know, like the wind is the breath of the earth. If the trees are the lungs, the wind is the breath. And same, the breath is spirit. It is our life force, the source of all creation, energy. And it's important to pay attention to it always you know, but especially during the times of, um, you know, mindful connection as you're opening up to these channels and being yourself or allowing yourself to be guided um, a lot easier. You'll see the difference between doing a reading in a more receptive state and a reading in a state where you feel more scattered and you're not as connected. And so just remember, the more deeply connected you feel, the more centered and present the more authentic and deep and present your reading will be and the more authentic that connection will be with everyone because it's all about spirit and connection, consciousness and energy. So really pay attention to the energies around. Um, If you use crystals, light candles, um, sage and incense, clear the space, do what you need to to protect your own energy and the energy of the connection and this reading because tarot is definitely, um, in most cases, a very sacred practice. To me, it's a very sacred time of energetic exchanges, and it's vulnerable and beautiful, and I love it. (laughs) And obviously, you don't hate it if you're here listening to this, especially if you listen to the entire thing. You must love tarot, too. You must love tarot, too. 
But uh, thanks, guys, for listening. This is definitely a little shorter one, um, but nice little Tarot 102 for you. And uh, we will soon be hearing part three, going over the ethics and such. And uh, whatever questions you have, if you have anything that you would like me to specifically touch on, please feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at real. Oh, sorry, I changed my name. You can find me on Instagram at Green Soul Goddess Tarot. And there's periods after each word. But it's of course it's kind of harder to say that. So it's green period, soul period, goddess period, tarot, green soul, goddess, tarot on Instagram. Yes, there has definitely been a name change because um thus with life, everything is constantly evolving and so am I. As my life purpose has evolved so have the names. Thank you for sticking with it. (laughs) And thank you for listening. I am very, very thankful for you, the listener, for, you know, obviously listening and um, allowing me to be the person to do podcasts. Thanks so much. So thanks, guys. I appreciate everything. And this, I will leave you with is your reminder to live life on your own terms. Listen to your intuition and allow yourself to be guided along a path of unconditional love and reward. It's time to act without judgment, be mindful of yourself and others, but ultimately do what makes you happy and aids in your growth as an independent consciousness. Thank you so much for everything. I don't think that I could ever say thank you enough to anyone ever because every single day I live in gratitude as you should too, but I won't tell you what to do. Just know that the universe will be receptive of of your grateful energy and bring it back to you tenfold. So I will leave you with that. Namaste, everyone.